Good morning, rumor and innuendo fans. Get up, get going. It is Thursday. I am House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And I'm WWE Creative Issues, Robert Karpolis. Before we get to anything, we got Lord X Supra here in the chat room saying, can I get a B-Day shout out? It is my 35th birthday. Uh, welcome to 35 and Over Club, man. Uh, Robert and I have been sitting here for a little while now. Yes, I'm uh, I'm 41. I had to think about that for a minute. <laughs> I had my 41st birthday on the air with you guys here a couple weeks ago. No place I'd rather be. Uh, that's a lie. But I was still happy to be here to celebrate it with you guys. And unfortunately, my birthday gift I was hoping would have been talking Billy in the CW. Maybe Lord X Super. Maybe your birthday gift today is going to be us talking Billy and the CW. Maybe, maybe, my friends. Well, hey, um, I want to remind everybody real quick that yesterday we had on Pinky and Psycho from Big Little Brawlers. Last Friday we had on Ivar the Micro. They've been wonderful guests. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to go back, watch those shows, take them in, and, of course, uh, hashtag all about Big Little Brawlers. Uh, they've been great uh, people to work with, and, uh, again, the show is absolutely worth your time to check out. All right, as far as this show here today, we're going to be talking all about Tomatonga's New Japan status, the new WWE on AEW content that's coming out, WWE's new head of production. We got backstage details from a very unlikely source about what happened between Sia Punk and Jack Perry and Samoa Joe, for that matter, at AEW All In. Uh, Chris Jericho was knocked out by a former WWE star. And of course, last night was AEW Dynamite, which is where we're going to start. And we will start with Dynamite and we will start at the end of Dynamite. Last night, we saw Sting at Darby Allen in the main event team up to beat. Powerhouse Hobbs, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Kanosuke Takeshita, and um, at, after the match, we got the Young Bucks coming out. They both look like, um, I mean, honestly, like as a Chicagoan, they look like Wicker Park kids that play guitar uh, on the side of the street during the during the week. But, uh, you know, hey, everybody seems to have a vibe for them. Some people say these people uh, own a, a railroad company back in the 1800s. Uh, other people say undercover cops. They've got a new look, and it looks like this is going to be Sting's final match here against these two. How would you think it came across? What do you think of the uh, the matchup, Robert? Man, when you think North Carolina, you think Sting, you think his last match, the very first people that come to your mind are the Young Bucks. Uh, this, was a, this was an odd choice. I know there were people who were worried and afraid that it was going to be Flair. Uh, instead, it's... Matt and Nick Jackson, who, to my knowledge, I don't think they've interacted with Sting on television possibly ever. So this is a very strange decision. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, Sting looked at the roster and they said, who do you want to work with? And he said, I want to match with the Young Bucks. I kind of felt like the, the match that we got last night would have been a fitting final Sting match if you're doing Sting and Darby against younger talent. But I guess now we're going to get Sting and Darby versus the Young Bucks. So uh, Jesus is the real winner here. Jesus is the winner here. Yes. Um, I, I I have to believe that there's some kind of connection that Sting has behind the scenes with these two to want to give them this nod. I mean, they're both they're all California people, right? They were all California kids back in the day. Sting had the blonde look the whole nine yards. Um, I'm most surprised that this isn't a solo match. Um, Sting's whole run in AEW has been nothing but tag team matches. I don't think. Uh, I don't believe he's ever had a singles match in AEW. And I was just on a hunch. I always just figured his last match in the company would be the one and only singles match he has in AEW. So 
it's been a look. It's a it's a run that is over delivered in AEW. Uh, a lot of great moments. Um, definitely a very good investment. It would seem on Tony Khan's part. But it's just a little. I'm a little little surprised we're not going to get like him, Darby. I thought I figured for sure. You know, Darby turns on him. Give Darby the rub. He's going to stick around after Sting. I don't know. I was just surprised it was a tag match in general. It was an odd decision, I guess, Sting felt. Look, if he's going to go out there and do his best match, he doesn't want to potentially embarrass himself, blow himself up. Tag match is the safest situation. The Young Bucks, I'm sure, will make him look great. It's now, you. it's January. There's a long road ahead to get you excited for it in March. I just hope this doesn't turn into super insidery, weird Young Bucks vibe that we've gotten of this new heel turn. Yeah, and we have Lloyd Nicolette here in the chat room saying the Bucks didn't look like they wanted to be there. That ending just felt awkward. Um, I don't know that it was like they didn't feel like they wanted to be there, but it was just kind of um, you didn't really know what to make of it. You know, it was uh, people want to like all these guys, I guess, on some level. So I, I just think people didn't know what to make of the pairing. It really just kind of fe- it came out of way left field. The awkward piece for me was in the end, Hobbs gets put through those tables. It was a major spot. You're beating a young up-and-coming superstar in in Hobbs with Sting. And then the moment just immediately went away. Sting wasn't selling the fact that he just went hurtling through the air and put somebody through tables. He should have been, you know, barely standing, really making this moment feel like this dude just went through a war. And Takeshita, who beat Darby last week, to build to this match... You want to continue that that momentum a little bit, and instead it was just like they disappeared into the background. Everybody's up and feeling great. Let's move on to the next. Um, well, elsewhere on the show, we had Samoa Joe, his first address as the AEW World Champion. He had a brand-new title over his shoulder that's not the Triple B. Um, he's changing up the championship challenging protocol, basically saying, um, you, want a, you want a title shot? You got to make your case to me. If we feel you've got a case, you can get a shot, which is – you know, uh, anactema to the win-loss record argument that, <laughs> that Tony Khan has been so boldly making. Uh, first oh, no, of all, the correction yeah. was he said to the to the championship committee. So we have not revealed this <laughs> this magical committee of people. I'm excited to see what it is. But yes, this this felt like Tony doubling down on we're going to make our title matches make sense and they're going to provide their resume. To which point I would say, well, Jinder Mahal, former world champion. Right. <laughs> yes. Isn't that exactly what Jinder did? He showed up and he's like, here's my case. I've made the case. And then Rollins said, sure, you've made a very fine case. Let's have a match, Jinder. Um, well, there were a couple people that came out to make their case. We had Swerve Strickland. We had uh, Hangman Adam Page. And after they had left the ring, we got the hook signal, this bat signal for hook. Um, and then he came out confronted joe put up the one finger said one week and now we have uh, that was it that was enough uh he secured his shot next week on dynamite we're going to get hook samoa joe i actually really liked this um i thought it was just well done i thought hook looked like a really big star he got a great reaction here um i, I mean and for a first match first defense for joe really unique pairing i think that will get people's attention i love this i love swerve being presented the way he was i loved how joe Mm -hmm. presented himself i was really curious since he was not on live tv last week what was going to happen what what sort of position is he going to be in is he going to be a baby face is he going to be a heel no he's going to be samoa joe and i think that's the best use of joe swerve going out there getting the reaction he was getting hangman 
he still reverts a lot to the super shouty promo, which he needs mm-hmm. to kind of pull back a little bit from. But yeah. you're focusing on homegrown talent. You're focusing on young talent. You're focusing on the right people. You're capitalizing on the hook momentum because uh, some crazy lunatic was tweeting about him the other day. Uh, and that crazy lunatic happens to be holding the pencil and decided to, you know, put him out there. I think Hook is wildly talented. I'm really excited to see what him and Joe will do next week. And I think making the Swerve Hangman story meld into who's going to be your number one contender, that's a home run right there. Yeah, they did so much business in that segment. I thought it was very, very well executed. And, you know, just the presence of Daly's place, it did feel like a special episode last night. The kind of unique setup they had with all the big screens. It had been a while since we'd really seen them in that space. You know, that kind of amphitheater setup isn't something we see a whole lot of on TV anymore. Uh, for what it's worth, there's a beautiful venue here in Chicago called the Salt Shed that opened a couple years ago. Man, oh man, would I love to see a wrestling show there. Um, but I thought I thought everything just came together here very, very nicely. Um, the other thing, the other big note coming out of the show last night was, of course, that Chris Jericho came back uh, to AEW TV. Uh, for those that missed it, uh, even if you were blind, I think you heard it. Um, Chris came out after Sammy Guevara had beat Ricky Starks. Then Big Bill runs out and uh, helps uh, Ricky to beat down on Sammy, setting up the big save from Chris, right? Um, When Chris comes out, they play Judas really loudly, and then they don't stop playing Judas really, really loudly. And it's really, you know, look, were they going for a New Jack spot? Were they trying to do anarchy in the arena? You know, I guess that's a case that, that Tony would try to make here. At a time when the last time Chris was seated in a bunch in front of people, he got greeted with booze and NDA chants, this felt to me like they very much di- didn't want to have to worry about uh, Chris getting that kind of reaction from the live fans. And we're just going to do whatever they could to position him in a, in a light where he looked positive and, and got uh, somewhat of a good reaction and hope to just let this whole situation ride, which is, you know, a very, very uh, un- unusual, odd, um, troubling call considering, you know, the questions Tony was asked after World's End that he couldn't give a straight answer to. Uh, We still have the former female AEW star. The last reply she has on her ex account is is a heart emoji, um, you know, to 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 tweet saying that, you know, there's likely allegations out there still. And look, you know, like I said several weeks ago, I, I, I am just worried that there's skeletons in this guy's closet that when they come out are going to make him look bad and will taint the work he's doing and, and the work he's done. And outside of that, we got another story here in just a second that's not exactly glowing about Chris. And it would seem that, you know, people are feeling more comfortable talking about Chris right now. And it's it is what it is. I don't think you could just blast music and hope it goes away. You know, of course you can. <laughs> no, Robert, they did it last on. night. Here's the deal. They the way that the booking was laid out as soon as I saw it was Sammy and Starks one on one and there's nobody else there I'm like, all right, what's going to happen? They do that that handshake or whatever it was at the end, which was all right. We're clearly setting up a big bill running, which is going to lead to a Jericho running, which is going to ensure the crowd is going to cheer for him as opposed to booing the hell out of him uh, and then blasting the music so over the top so long. It was really apparent uh i saw some folks on my on the uh, wrestle roasts uh forum who were there and they said even in spite of the judas chants uh the judas music being blared 
people were booing the hell out of Jericho. I think they're oh, wow. they're okay. upset about it. There's definitely a vocal minority at the very least who is frustrated about it. And the the silence from it is what's the most surprising. I think if this would have been greeted with a Chris coming out and immediately saying Nick Hausman is full of shit. Anybody else who's saying anything is full of shit. I'm I'm clean as a whistle. Take a look at whatever you want to do. This is dumb. Tony doubling down on it. None of that happened. And that's what's that's what's filling up this space right now. <laughs> yes. It's this negative, it's like negative space. And then you're just continuing as, as business as usual. You don't blare music otherwise, unless you're really genuinely concerned about it. And the other way to combat that is the sit down, the conversation. We just saw this with, with Jonathan Majors, who was saying, look, there were allegations against me. Uh, they, you know, here's my side of this story. It was litigated in court and here's my, my chance to, to say my piece that has not happened. And instead we're just all left here to sit and speculate and people instead want to turn their anger and animosity towards you, uh, which, or whoever else was commenting on it. We saw that with our, our, our good friend, Eric Bischoff of, of ad free shows. Yes. Um, and it's good to see where people have aligned on that particular matter. Not that I'm commenting on anything, by the way, we're streaming live on our Twitter accounts and rumor and innuendo and podcast heat and anything else that's absent that used to be there. You can read into that however you would like, oh, but what I think is, I don't care. I'm scorched earth. The hell with this nonsense. They're going to blare the music. They want to try to drown out the booze because you know what's going on there. Just don't put them out there. You can very easily just not use Chris because one of the key things of Tony Khan is folks just disappear for weeks or months at a time. Just don't use Chris. Hope people forget. Hope it goes away. You bring them back in March or April in some capacity. Hopefully everybody's happy. Instead, you're you're doing this that just felt it, it felt it felt antagonistic is what it felt to me because by doing this i think you're almost challenging these people who were going to boo to boo louder right like I, I don't know what happens on saturday night but i saw a lot of people that were very very upset about this i heard from a lot of people that were very very upset about this i obviously don't think it's the best way to handle this situation i'm very much with you in the sense that coming forward addressing this thing head on there was my initial Christmas Day response to Chris, which was, you know, what it was. He could have shot me down right there. He could have said, you're so full of shit. You are just like every other dirt sheet writer out there just trying to, to make, make a muck. But like I said from the get, I worry about Chris. I worry about the skeletons coming out that are going to affect him, that are going to affect the people around him, and they're going to affect AEW. And look, we're three weeks, about three weeks removed from those comments, and skeletons are dancing around, and people's reputations are being affected and that brings us to our next story here robert the other chris jericho story from yesterday coming from our friend at bodyslam.net cassidy hayes um there was the chris jericho cruise in 2020 where apparently he got into a heated argument with mvp and got knocked out we don't know what they were arguing about we don't know how he got knocked out but we do know apparently that mvp knocked out chris jericho on his own cruise ship um, the two also, and this had been more known, I'd read about this before actually when it happened and I kind of had some background on it, uh, but they noted in the story that yes, last year there was nearly another altercation between MVP and Chris Jericho where uh, MVP got and interrupted a Jericho Matt Hardy conversation in a hotel lobby, things got very, very tense. Chris went to an elevator and screamed something about not wrestling, um, j wrestling jobbers. 
And there you go. A, a not so glowing story about Chris Jericho coming out like five minutes before dynamite, you know, like again, this is maybe not the time I look They're They're doing it. And it's, I just don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a good call. I disagree. Look, here's the th- MVP. It, it, for anyone that's ever worked with him, and I've had the pleasure of working with him a couple times uh, in my career, I consider him a friend. He's a he's a stand up guy. He is a a role model. He's someone who has turned his life around when he's talked about what happened with him in his youth and his incarceration. And he has made uh, you know lemonade out of lemons. He is a guy that people across the industry really like. So for him to you know hit Jericho. I don't know what transpired, what occurred. I think it it aligns. Like if you've read Jericho's books and I've read Jericho's books, he himself has freely said he imbibes, his behavior becomes a little uh, less than desirable. And that's probably what happened here. But on your own cruise, where you are the the, the headline name, you are the, the financial body for it, the person who really should be on his best behavior, for you to get knocked out by MVP in that situation that's just goofy and weird. The other incident that happened a second time, again, much as MVP is a friend of mine, that is not a dude I ever want to mess with. He is a he is a big, thick gentleman, uh, and he will he will end your day. So that's a scary situation. I think it goes back to just the broader reputational comment, and, and people want to narrowly focus on one allegation, rumor, story, whatever that was that was put out there on Twitter. When, when you made that comment, I thought this was also related to just some of the broader behavioral things that have come out about Chris over the years. That's Corn what I'm Dan saying. I've just heard it. so much. I've just heard so many people. I'm sorry to catch up. But I've said so many people come to me before I said it, after I said it. And I'm just like, Jesus, man, like this is insane. Sometimes the stuff I hear, you and know, it's, tough, it's wild it's because. As a, as a guy who grew up a massive Chris Jericho fan, I, I attribute a lot of my fandom to to Chris. It's it's tough when you hear a lot of these backstage stories or, or, or things that have occurred. I had heard maybe about a week or so ago, a week and a half ago, that there was some incident that happened on the cruise ship where he had gotten knocked out. And I guess enough people had started talking about it that now the story has come to light. Yeah, it's It goes to that point of you don't want to see somebody's reputation get absolutely annihilated by you know these backstage stories but at the same time on this same show you see sting at the end of that show who has had an insanely long career and i think you'd be hard-pressed to find any bad sting stories any behavioral sting issues and that's that's i think my broader point here robert is at a time now you know this isn't the 80s the internet exists social media exists the 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 content of somebody's character is just as important uh, as as the the ability for them to perform in the ring. And I know that you're going to say, oh, that's you know not always the easiest person to to find in that kind of vertical there. Um, but you know, you look at Sting, and then again, I look over at WWE right now, and look, there are issues. We we went over the Gable Stevenson stuff, right? There are other things there that are that are not imperfect, that are not perfect. But the, the a lot of the people I talk to there now, I do hear about how they're like, I feel comfortable bringing my family to these shows there's a very good vibe i feel taken care of more people have like tour buses where they can go kind of their own places and things like that and and more importantly this nxt kind of performance center process has done a good job in helping them 
kind of see how people adapt to this kind of crazy carnival world, right? It's it's not just a place to become like a better wrestler. There's also a kind of filtering process, I think, for the way you carry yourself. Um, and, it, you know, that that is my bigger point here is invest in people where you can build them up, you can make them heal, you can make a baby face, and the focus will stay on the ring, right? Stay in what they're doing in the ring. And I think there are enough good people out there in this industry that deserve those opportunities and do not always get them. That is That is a... That's a very unfortunate truth, I think, a lot of the time. And maybe Chris just wasn't thinking about his legacy, longevity, these things coming out. It's not like he's ever seen Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, wait. Oh, zing a zing. Yeah, PW Insider confirmed this morning. That's going back for season five. I don't have all the notes about it, but when we know more about it, we will we will talk more about Dark Side. All right. We are we are we are within the the last, we are on the back half of the show now. We still have a lot to get to here. I'd be remiss if I didn't point out. DJ Woo Kid on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, who let everybody know that he was right there when the Sea of Punk Jack Perry fight went down. Uh, this got a lot of attention. There really wasn't a whole lot of new detail here. He talked about the blood coming off of Jack did, Perry. Did he fear for his life, too? It didn't sound like he was feared for his life so much as he said it was very, very intense. But at one point, he said, The big Hawaiian. Uh, which we believe to be Samoa Joe, based on the context of what he said, uh, screamed at everybody, yo, F this shit. This is our moment. Everybody get the F out there and do your shit. And I just think about Samoa Joe in that moment. Everyone's bloody. Everyone's fighting. He's got to be the biggest person in the room. And just what that has to have looked like. It is just, oh, I would never want to see Samoa Joe that angry and yelling at me. I will add him to that MVP list of guys that you do not want to mess with. People who have great reputations, really nice guys that if you cross them and if you mess up that moment, because I think one of the true highlights of All In was seeing that CM Punk Samoa Joe match and Joe getting that opportunity to perform in front of a massive crowd and have arguably the best match on the show and infighting and whatever other nonsense occurred between Jack Perry and your good close personal friend CM Punk. Uh, they didn't want that to mar a bigger situation. Um, we also had uh, Jeff Hardy posting and then deleting the following comment over on Instagram. We, the Hardys, will not be appearing on the live show called AEW Dynamite. We, the Hardys, are stuck in the dimension of AEW Rampage. A lot of people took that as a kind of shot at their AEW booking. Uh, can you imagine the conversation of Brian Danielson walking up to Jeff Hardy like, Five grand, man. That's a, that's a fine. You got to delete the post. <laughs> Can I just give you a painting? Um, what I think is even funnier is on Dynamite, in, in a, I'll say it in a really positive way, the Wheeler Yuta video package of him acknowledging, like, look, I'm Mr. Rampage. I've been competing on there the last several weeks. I've won a bunch of matches. This is why I deserve a shot at Eddie Kingston. I was like, oh, we're acknowledging that Rampage is a thing, and he is kind of the king of Rampage. So... Odd choice by by Jeff. Jeff and Matt have kind of played like hokey pokey with are they unhappy with AEW? Are they happy with AEW? They're critical one minute, then the next minute saying Matt being like, no, no, we're we're happy that we're here and can contribute. I, I don't I don't know what well, they think is going to happen or what they think they can do to really help contribute overall to the business. Well, I mean, realistically, you know, after what happened with Jeff this last time and everybody was ready to, to cut bait and run away and say, this guy's, how are you going to give this guy another yeah. chance? Tony did Tony let him go through rehab said, come back clean. Uh, don't get anybody injured. Don't get injured yourself, you know, and gave him a path back. I mean, 
I wouldn't bite that hand. <laughs> you know, like I, you could get frustrated, and you know they've got a lot of clout, and they can kind of do whatever they want for sure. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure it's very difficult for them to look past the fact that the company really did have their back at a time when there were a lot of people that were really, really bound, set, and ready to to cut ties with Jeff. So it is, but it's also maybe these guys are are realizing, hey, we're not in the WWE Hall of Fame, and we'll be very happy to take a Legends deal. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, GameSpot caught up with Will Ospreay. Uh, he confirmed what had been much uh, rumored and bandied about, that he was offered a WWE deal. He had one on the table, but he turned it down to come to AEW. That's the long and the short of it. Um, basically said that he had built up a level of trust with Tony Khan, seemed like a place that he could get a better deal, and that was it. So there you go. But it was a big on his part. Yeah, seemed like he's happy. Lastly here, uh, in the world of AEW, Ray Phoenix caught up with Denise Salcedo and said he hopes to be in action soon. Um, so there you go, the latest on Ray Phoenix. All right, here's a story that we could sink our teeth into a little bit here before we go. Uh, WWE has named ESPN alumni Lee Fitting as the company's new head of media and production. He is now replacing Kevin Dunn, who had been there for 40 years, and we're about to, for the first time in decades, have somebody with a new vision and new eyes on the WWE product. How do you feel about that? I think it's going to be really interesting. I know there is some uh, negative blowback with, within WWE production. I think part of that is a fear of you have somebody new coming in. Are they going to bring in their own people? Are they going to change the mm -hmm. process across the board? There have been folks over the last several years building towards hoping they were going to be the next Kevin Dunn. I think there's been reports about Mike Mansuri at one point was identified potentially to be the new KD. I think you're bringing in someone with a lot of live television experience. He has done a lot with college game day. He's done a lot with Monday night football. This is a guy who knows and understands how to film sports and something that is very important to the WWE is someone who has an eye for live television and live sports and can make this feel as real and authentic as possible. So I think this is going to be a really interesting decision. I think it makes sense from a, a broader TKO perspective. And I think some of the negativity that you're going to hear is going to be people internally worried about their own spots, which is totally justifiable, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm interested to see how this goes. Um, you know, everybody, nobody, you know, other than the quick cuts and stuff, nobody's really had a problem with a lot of production stuff. You know, AEW's even kind of adapted like the WWE presentation a lot of ways and just kind of put their own coat of paint on it. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to see what little changes here and there we get with another set of eyes on it. Um, big story coming out of NXT this past Tuesday night, the main event, Oba Femi picked up a surprise WWE NXT North American championship win over dragon Lee. He was the winner of the breakout tournament. You could cash this in at any time after Lee's match with, um, uh, Lexus King. That's when he cashed it in, just like Money in the Bank. And now we have the champion. This was his fourth television match ever for WWE. I thought he looked like an absolute monster here. Um, everybody's singing this guy's praises. This is how you do it, man. You, you see somebody you're investing in, you want to start building them up the ladder. They, they've, they've certainly shot this guy up a, a couple rungs a little quicker than others. Well, this is going to put a big spotlight on the next in line program, which I think is really important. Oh, that's right. Uh, I think that also this is getting Dragon Lee was not really supposed to be the guy in this spot to begin with. And you need to pull him off to put him into uh, the main television program to get focused on the Royal Rumble. An interesting Dragon Lee note, uh, Bruce Pritchard on his podcast when he was talking about one man gang 
and was and rarely does Bruce ever talk about modern wrestling. So you rarely get a real insight into what he's thinking. And he was saying who one man gang could work with in the modern era. And the very first name he said was Dragon Lee. He's like, I think, you know, Dragon Lee getting a win over one man gang, that would be huge. So for Bruce to even have him top of mind really shows they must think a lot of Dragon Lee. So I think taking the title off of him in that way, that doesn't really hurt him. Uh, moving him into Rumble, I think he could have a really fun showing in a couple weeks. Man, he is. And he had Rey Mysterio yesterday in an interview saying that he sees a lot of a young version of himself in Dragon Lee, really just putting putting the parallels next to each other, putting over how it is so difficult this day and age to present luchadors because, you know, and keeping that cultural significance with the mask and everything that comes along with that and carrying that weight on your shoulders. Very difficult to pass that torch, but it seems like Ray solidly in the Dragon Lee camp. And uh, I agree. He looked like a big deal. And Oba Femi, yeah, like you said, he's the he's the first athlete signed through the NIL program to win a WWE championship. And he is also the youngest NXT North American champion ever in history. Um, last thing I will say about this, Lexus King, even though I thought started off very rough, to say the least, his first couple of weeks, I think he's improved. I think he's become somebody that, I've I've become to I've I've learned to enjoy in the NXT uh, mix these days. How how do you feel about uh, Lexus Kings? I, I think he's learning now to be coachable. Yeah, uh, having worked, I've worked with Brian Pillman Jr. before. Uh, I think when you come in with all of that hype that's surrounded by your name and the training that you had, and it was trained by Lance Storm, he went through a number of different programs. Sometimes you get that confidence of, hey, I was on TV, I was on AEW, I know what I'm doing kind of fell on his face a little bit and now they're able to mold him and say look let's let's you know course correct let's write the ship here and i'm excited to see what they can do with him going forward he is a he is definitely a talent um and lastly here well we do have the uh, i will th- um all right i'll do i'll try to cram these in here in 60 seconds the new wwe and a and e schedule is out i won't read you all the episodes but the first rivals will be about triple h and the rock the first biography will be about randy orton um, interestingly, there's a couple of AEW names in here. Uh, they're going to do a special on the Miz and Daniel Bryan. They also have Hardys uh, versus the Dudleys. Um, I have no idea if Bryan Danielson will be involved in this special or not, but I thought it was interesting that they gave him and Miz their own special here this season. Well, it is. It's I believe when they produce it, I think it's in conjunction with A with A uh, and E. So maybe that helps smooth things over a little bit or have some degree of detente. I know Jim Ross had been part of some of those after he was gone from WWE. So mm-hmm. you never know. They're, they're, they're not stupid. They're not going to just do these things otherwise. In the same way, AEW last night when they were showing the, the Brody Lee tribute, the first guy they showed him laying out was Cody. <laughs> there you go. All right. Last but not least, there was an uh, there was some confusion over the last 24 hours. Tomatanka, uh, evil, a wrestler for, for New Japan, said that Tama had been released, and then on the website, Evil was now listed as the never-open-weight champion. Now, as I saw this playing out, I talked to somebody who was like, this feels like a giant work to me. Proceed with caution. This does not feel real that Tama has been released. Well, lo and behold, late last night, New Japan put out a video showing Evil assaulting the web development team and forcing them to remove Tama Tonga from the website and replace him as the never-open-weight champion. (laughs) I love this. I love this so much. Ditto. Years and years ago, uh, when I was on creative, uh, Krista Joseph had pitched 
something about somebody kind of infiltrating the <laughs> the WWE website and doing these sorts of things. And it the vibe from Vince was like, people aren't going to understand this. Uh, I love that New Japan is doing this. This is just fantastic. This Anytime they do this or when they would have guys in the truck like beating up production folks or making them play videos and stuff, this is fun. I'm I'm here for all of it. Uh, I guess this means Tamatanga might not be in the Rumble. Well, and here's the thing I will say about this. So Tanahashi's president now, right? He's been president for like less than a month. And we already have the buzziest angle for New Japan. And look, I know people get excited for matches and stuff. But as far as like an angle that like North American pro wrestling fans can kind of like get into, right? This caught people's attention. This was fun. This is a lot side the box. People will check this out now for this. I know that, you know, when I I had the chance to ask Okada a question uh, at one of the eight, I think it was the original Forbidden Door, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I asked him what he learned at AEW that he'd like to bring back to New Japan. And he said he really wanted to bring the energy the fans have in the States back to Japan. He thought that he just kind of thought that the North American vibe, the presentation, you wanted to see more of that. I do wonder if the younger generation of New Japan fans that kind of also grew up watching WWE are, are starting to be like, does every match just have to be two guys beating the piss out of each other? Can we also like do some stuff outside of it to put some interest on these matches? I think, I think it would be, it's, I think it'll be interesting to watch if new Japan does more kind of storyline type stuff like this is I, I guess what I'm getting at. I like that new Japan is going to be more WWE as AEW becomes more new Japan. Oh, wow. What a little twist there. All right, everybody. Um, uh, we're going to end on that Yankee swap. Uh, it was a real great show. If you like the show today and you like all of our shows, help us out. Go over to the podcast feed. Leave a nice rating, review, a comment. Tomorrow's Fun Friday. We will read some of your reviews on the show. So if you have anything funny, any insightful, any questions maybe you want to put into a comment that we could address on the show, go ahead. That's the way to do it. Tomorrow, we'll have a fun Friday wrap it up. No guests tomorrow. We had guests early this week. Again, Pinky and Psycho were on the show yesterday. Thanks so much again to them. And check out Big Little Brawlers. I'm at Nick underscore Hausman. And please go support me at houseofwrestling.com. We'll end this on a quick shout out to Josh Horth. Finally caught one of these live. Thanks. Thanks for watching live. On behalf of the always live Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.